Well, glory to God. We're going to go to our opening verse here today out of Zechariah 4. We have um, last week started talking, um, kind of shifted some gears and opened up dealing with some things. And today I want to talk some more about it. And uh, read a couple of verses here, but we want to read a little bit more of it today. And uh, hopefully... uh, just give you a, a, a new perspective on some things. Now, uh, most of us remember this verse. If uh, you, have, you haven't been, you know, if you've been saved even for a short time, you've probably heard this verse. And uh, it says this, so he said and answered uh, to him, talking to the prophet here. Uh, he's actually having a, a, a vision going on at this time. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who is actually the governor of, of Judah, who has put on a, a mission from God, a, a mandate of God to rebuild the temple. Of God, and uh, what has happened uh, this is actually about um, well about 12, 13 years uh, where he hasn't touched it. He started it, started the work, started building on the foundation, rebuilding some things. It became a lot of work. It became a lot of stress. He got a little bit overwhelmed with everything that was going. So he just began to just kind of set it aside, and little by little, didn't even didn't even get back to it. So about a dozen plus years later, he's being addressed. A word of the Lord saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How many remember that verse? All three of you. Let's try that again. How many remember that verse? Amen. Amen. I mean, sometimes we have these little things. We'll hang on the wall pictures, or you might have something on your refrigerator, or some little thing that might have that part of the the verse there. Not by might, nor by power. It's not by man's human strength or man's force. It's not by uh, the word power here means by man's ability, amen, but it's by his spirit, praise God. Everybody say the spirit of God. Hallelujah. So that's in context talking about the spirit of God. The word uh, ruach is the, is the Hebrew word, uh, which means the exact same thing as, as the word pneuma in the new covenant, the word spirit, first definition, breath, amen. Literally, is, it refers to the breath of God. Now, every spirit, whether we're talking the Holy Spirit, whether we're talking your spirit, or we're talking something demonic, the demonic spirit, all of them have what they what's called a breath, okay, have a, a measure of influence, okay? So, you just have to determine which breath you're going to let breathe into you. Come on, somebody. Now, of course, in context, and what we're focusing on today is the breath of God, amen, God breathing into you. Now, from the very get-go, from the Garden of Eden, uh, when, when the breath of life was breathed into Adam, and he, the word said he became a living being, literally means a speaking spirit. If you look that in, in Genesis 2, he became a speaking spirit. Amen. Now, well, it was designed that uh, from the garden on, it was designed that every day, everybody say every day. What I say? Every day. Okay, it was designed that every day God breathed into you. It's the way it was designed. Okay, now how many know he kind of got, got that messed up, wasn't too long. We don't really know the time frame in there, but we just know that it wasn't too far down the road, and all of a sudden now he's, he's, he's messing it up. I'm talking about Adam. Kind of messed it up and committed high treason, and the next thing you know, we got problems. How many know what I'm talking about? All right, now, that breath, amen, is meant to be breathing us every day. He's given Zerubbabel a word that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by your own strength, your force, how much you could put together, how many abilities you got, all that stuff. It's not by that. 
That's not how it's going to work, Zerubbabel. You're going to have to let God breathe into you on a day-to-day basis if you're ever going to have what it takes to do this task. Are you still with me? Now, for whatever it's worth, Zerubbabel had a family. Zerubbabel had a job to do. Come on, somebody. But he also had a mandate from God to do something, which is no different than you and me. We all have families. We all have jobs. Come on, somebody. We all have things to do. We all have pressure. We all have to raise those babies, feed those babies, take care of those things. They grow up. Then they graduate. Then they get married. And then they got grandkids. And it starts over again. And if you don't watch it, pretty soon you're overwhelmed. You're stressing out. All worked up. How are we going to do all this? How are we going to keep track of all this? How are we going to keep this all handled? How are we going to do this? And then I got to work. Then I got to go to church. Oh, now we're setting up for VBS. The things they expect. Well, how do you do it? Well, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit. That's how it works. So let's back up here. We didn't do this yesterday or last week, but we're going to do it today because I feel like um, today we're going to help bring a little more clarity to some of this. I don't know that I was totally happy with last week after we got done. You know, sometimes we're our own worst critic, and uh, sometimes I, uh, you know, I just, you know, you kind of think, you know, I could do this better. I can say this a little different or something. But uh, so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. So verse 1 says this, now the angel who talked with me, now of course this is the angel of the Lord talking to Zechariah, okay, uh, talked with me, came back and wakened me. Now this is a a vision within, uh, a vision going on here. And as the man, uh, pardon me, as a man who is uh, wakened out of his sleep, and he said to me, uh, what do you see? He's asking him a question. So obviously he's obviously seeing something, right? So I said, this is what Zechariah said, I said, I'm looking, uh, and, and, and there is a lampstand of solid gold and a bowl on top of it. And on the stand are seven lamps with seven pipes uh, to the seven lamps, okay? In other words, what these, these pipes are coming out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the bowl, okay? And it goes on here. And then there's two olive trees that are by it, one that's on the right hand of the bowl and the other that's on the left hand of the bowl. And, and so I answered and spoke uh, to the angel who walked, or pardon, who talked with me. You notice how the print nowadays is. <clears throat> anyway, is that, that what it is? I just thought maybe a, never mind, I'll leave it alone. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, so he said, what, what are these, my Lord? In other words, so the prophet of God, is, you know, he's seeing all this. He's seeing the lampstand, the, the seven lamps. He's seeing the, uh, the receptacle. He, and there's, and there's uh, out of that receptacle goes into each lamp. And uh, we got here, what we have, you're going to find out here in just a second, but these two olive trees are now dripping, uh, flowing into the receptacle, into the bowl that feeds the other, that feeds the seven lamps, okay? He's seeing all this, he's not, he's not, he's not getting it, he's not, well, well, what is all this? And so, uh, you know, uh, then the angel uh, who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know uh, what these are? And, and I said, no, I don't know. What are, you, what are you trying to say to me, you know? And so he answered and said to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He's thinking to himself probably, Zerubbabel, what does Zerubbabel have to do with this? It's like, you know, he, it's like he changed the subject or he, 
uh, you know, pause for station identification here or something. He's like, what's going on? But see, he is answering it. He's trying to give uh, Zachariah some understanding of what, what's going on, trying to give him, uh, you know, maybe a, another a way of seeing what he's visually seeing here, trying to give another way of seeing it. And he's using Zerubbabel as an illustration. And so there's a word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, right? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 7, who are you, O great mountain? Now this word mountain, just like even in the new covenant, it just means that which towers over or appears to be massive or large or too big. Okay, that mountain could be the task at hand. That mountain could be an obstacle in your way, dealing with something that you're working through or dealing with or trying to just live life, and this mountain just gets in the way. Well, in this case, it's the task at hand. Zerubbabel is asked of God years ago to finish uh, rebuilding the temple, and he hasn't done it. He got, he got uh, you know, overwhelmed. He got over, felt a little overworked. He felt a little, uh, you know, a little bit stressed out. Uh, you got too much on my plate. Here I am, the governor of Judah, and now you're making me have to rebuild this temple. Don't you see? I got enough stuff on my plate. So, you know, it was started to be maybe every day working on it. Everybody, you know, handling it, doing all kinds of stuff. Turned into maybe four days a week, three days a week, two days a week. Now one day a week maybe. And then pretty soon, it's like once every other week we might get in there. Pretty soon, maybe once a month we might, you know, roll a stone, do this, do that. Pretty soon we're not doing anything. And 12 years go by. God still is requiring of Zerubbabel, regardless of all that's on your plate, son, you're still called to finish what I've asked you to finish. And it's no different than you and me. We're all called. There's things that we're called to be a part of, things we're called to do. Are you still with me? Whether we're talking outreaches, we're talking serving in the house of God, hallelujah, whatever it may be, praise God. And by the way, we're all called to do it. Nobody's exempt. We're all called to put our hand to the plow. We're all called to bring our supply. We're all called to do our part, the scripture says. We're all called to give, tithe. Come on, somebody. We're all called to be a part. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I got things. All right, Zerubbabel, hang on. All right. Well, you just don't understand. I mean, you're the preacher. Preachers do nothing. Okay, Panky. No, it's just more excuses. Come on, somebody. We're all called to do. All right? But here we go. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. In other words, you shall be brought down, be leveled, brought into on a level playground here. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, it's going to happen through shouts of grace, grace to it. He shall bring forth the capstone. In other words, bring forth and finish what he's called to do, amen, with shouts, all right, or declarations, praise God, of grace, grace unto it. Unto what? Unto that mountain. 
unto that task. Well, grace is about a divine influence, a divine empowerment. Amen. It's about being impacted. Amen. So in other words, he's saying with shouts of God has empowered me. God has empowered me. God has empowered me. Not only am I allowing the breath of God to breathe into me, but I am walking in the grace of God. Hallelujah. I'm impacted, empowered, praise God, influenced to make a difference, praise God. It ain't about my strength, my ability, how much talent I have. Because if that's the case, then we're all in trouble. Whew. All right, verse 8. Let's read through it all. So, verse 8. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Who has despised a day of small things? And, and these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Praise God. In other words, praise God. Amen. It may look like, you know, maybe not much is done. But if you lean on God, trusting God, this thing can shift and change and get done in record time. Praise God. Still with me? All right. Praise God. So verse 11, then I answered and said to him, what are these? In other words, you still haven't answered my question. But in all honesty, he did. All right. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at the left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacle of the two golden pipes which, uh, from which the golden oil drains? And then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, I'm not getting it. And he said, these are the two anointed ones, which really uh, the cross reference is really brings out, it's, it literally means the sons of fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. How many know you need fresh oil? All right. So he's talking. He's, he's explaining. All right. So these, are, these two are the anointed ones or the sons of fresh oil who stand beside or literally means employed. Hallelujah. It means appointed of the Lord, right, of, uh, to all the earth. Amen. In other words, it's for everybody, amen, to draw from. Now, okay, what does all that mean? Well, the, the lampstand uh, if you get, especially if you go into Revelation, I must be spitting all over myself. I got stuff on. Anyway, the, in the Revelations, praise God, it brings out the fact uh, that every church, amen, really has a lamp. Come on, somebody. And he talks about the seven churches there in, in Revelations 1, 2, and 3 there. And so, uh, you know, we know that he's referring to the church. Now, the, the number seven is a number of completion, referring to all all. Amen. The complete work, the complete church. All right. So we have the, the church being represented and the two olive branches. Amen. Are the olive trees that are dripping into the receptacle. The two sons of fresh oil are what he explained about Zerubbabel. It's the spirit of God and the grace of God. If the Spirit of God isn't breathing into you, and if the grace of God isn't manifesting on your behalf, you're probably going to uh, wear out. You're probably going to be overcome. You're probably not going to finish the job. You're probably going to give up before you get done. So we have to have fresh oil in us every day. 
Come on now, fresh oil. We're going to have to have God breathing into us, and we're going to have to draw on that empowerment that you only get from the throne of grace. Do I have an amen? amen. Now, praise God. Fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. Fresh oil. Now, you think about this in the text of Zerubbabel, what he's trying to say. Zerubbabel, uh, regardless of, of what you've got going on, regardless of how busy your life is, regardless of the daily pressures you have to deal with, you still have a task to do that was led of God. Right? Even though you haven't done anything with it for 12 years, you need to get it finished. And so he's saying it has to still get done. But now, we're not asking you, Zerubbabel, to do anything in your own ability, to do anything in your own strength. All I'm asking is that you let me breathe into you. You let me empower you. And if you will let me breathe into you and let me empower you, you can get done what I've asked you to get done. Now, the reason this is so important is we see all through the body of Christ Gifts and callings that never came into fruition. We see biddings and promptings of God that never manifested. We see things all over the place that God has led and never came to pass. Why is that? Because of what we're talking about today. No fresh oil. So what happens? We come out of the shoots excited. God's led us to do this. God's called us to do this. God put this in our heart. And we go along, we forget that the same God that called you, the same God that anointed you, the same God that led you, the same God that gave you a word is the same God that needs to fuel you on a day-to-day -day basis. And if he isn't doing that, what's happening is you eventually are going to run out of steam. And then we get upset we get overwhelmed, we get stressed out, and pretty soon it's all about uh, how much I have to do, and oh my gosh, where's everybody else, and oh my gosh, how come I got to be the only one doing this? Pretty soon we're overwhelmed. Why is it? Because there's no fresh oil. No fresh oil. Well, pastor, if God, you know, God could just give me fresh oil. Listen, God has never forced himself on any man. And he ain't going to do you either. He didn't force you to get saved. Come on. If he did, we'd all be done. Out of here. We'd all be out of here by now. Right? He's never forced anybody to do anything. He bids, he prompts, he leads. And if you will receive it and walk in it and you'll draw from him, you can get her done. Anybody else in agreement with that? All right. We're going to go to another verse today, common verse out of Hebrews 4. Let's go there, and we're going to look at this. If you remember last week, we took some things out of, out of uh, 2 Corinthians and talked about Paul had a revelation of this thing called grace. And uh, even though he had uh, much attack, uh, a, a demonic attack against him, uh, about just about every time he turned around, he had something else happening. And uh, he, he asked of the Lord to remove this, and God said, my grace is sufficient. He said, three times I talked to God about it. And he'd tell me again, my grace is sufficient. Okay, well, whatever, God. God, just, just get this stuff gone. My grace is sufficient. This man, Paul, 
all of a sudden got a revelation. And the majority of the teaching that we know of, the majority, not all of it, but the majority of the teaching that we have concerning grace came through the hand, uh, you know, through the writings of Paul, led by the Holy Ghost. But it was a revelation that he got when he recognized what God was saying. That with my grace, with my empowerment, it doesn't matter what comes against you. You can overcome. You can ride above it. Praise God. You can conquer like you're called to no matter what has been placed in front of you. Still with me? All right. So, let us therefore. Everybody say therefore. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, guess what? You got to stop and see what it's there for. All right? So, we're going to do that here in just a second. So, it says, therefore. Let us therefore come boldly with confidence to what? The throne of grace. All right? The throne of grace. Everybody say the throne of grace. Now, the throne of grace is referring that you got to, the word says you got to go there. I said, it says you got to go there. Didn't say the throne of grace is going to chase you. Didn't say the throne of grace is coming unto you. It says that you are to come there boldly or with confidence to the throne of grace. Now, the reason you can do it with confidence is because Jesus paid a price for you. That's why out of uh, Romans 5, it brings out, it says, by the receiving of, of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, that we shall reign in life by the one Jesus Christ. Amen. So you became the righteousness of God based on what Jesus did. That's why now we can come with confidence. We can come boldly because a price has been paid. Hey, that's good news. Another great revelation, by the way. Praise the Lord. One that I, I am grateful for. Amen. But I'm in right standing with God. You're in right standing with God. If you receive Jesus, you're in right standing with God. Well, Pastor, I blow it all the time. Well, get in, get in you know, join the club. We've all messed up. And we've probably, some of us have probably made a good habit of it. I know it's nobody in here. Don't just look straight ahead. Amen. So anyway, uh, anyway. The point is, there's some of us sometimes that maybe we even, we even, you know, had a habit of just, you know, crossing lines, messing up, coming up short, and say, Pastor, there's just no way that I could ever go to God because you just, I mean, I just mess up all the time. God ain't going to want to talk to me. God don't even want to look at me. I probably, I probably upset him all the time. Every time he thinks about my name, he just, he, he throws another lightning bolt or something. Well, that's not how he thinks. And that's why you listen to the series on love. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so the, you've been made the righteousness of God based on what Jesus did. It had nothing to do with you. You couldn't be good enough to be the righteousness of God. You couldn't do enough good to become the righteousness of God. You became the righteousness of God based on what Jesus did. So as a result of it, praise God, we now can come unto him with boldness, confidence, and assurance, amen, that we have right to be there with him, praise God. And it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Well, first to obtain the mercy and then to find. That word find. Everybody say find. The word find there just literally means to locate, to discover, amen, uh, to obtain what's been uh, given or what's being offered, praise God. So we obtain mercy, amen, which by the way, is what, amen, releases you or um, covers over the weakness, the inability, the sin, whereas grace now is an empowerment 
to cause you to move forward. Amen. And once you understand the two, now the reason I, I hammer on that a lot, every time I get on grace, I'm going to talk about this because most of the time the definitions that I hear of people uh, talking grace or they, they use it in a sentence, they're referring to mercy, not grace. You know, by the grace of God, I'm able, uh, you know, to overcome my past. You know, well, uh, that's, that sounds great, but you, it was mercy that covered that mess. Now the grace is here for you to move forward. Come on, somebody, are you here? Somebody says, well, you got saved by grace. Well, that wasn't really what the, the verse said. I got some of you a little, oh, no. By grace you've been saved through faith. Well, what's that mean? Well, you don't, there's no faith unless you've heard something. So obviously you heard something. Now listen, you've heard something, and then you made movement toward God. And when you make movement toward God, you now experience what's being offered by God, called grace. Everybody say grace. Amen. Which means now there's an empowerment. Again, the word uh, grace, charis, is the Greek word, which means a divine influence. Somehow impacting, imprinting, influencing, a divine influence upon the heart. And thus reflected in his life or anybody's life. So that divine influence comes upon the heart, the core, the center it means. It refers to literally the seat of control. Which bottom line is the will of man. Anytime you make movement toward God. Amen. In this case he says come to the throne of God, grace. When you make movement toward that there's now an, an opportunity for God to imprint, to empower and to influence your core. And anytime that happens, now it can be what's reflected in your life. See, everything in your life comes out of your heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Jesus made that clear. Every, the word Proverbs, it brings out that the issues of life all come out of the heart of man. Everything comes out of the heart of man. Well, man, that, I mean, that, that, I mean, that just, that don't sound right. Well, it does. Everything comes out. So if we're not influencing, now remember, I'm pointing here for core or center, not talking about the blood pump. You know that, right? Okay. Uh, maybe I better go back and talk about it. Anyway, so the core, the center, the seat of control, whatever's influencing the core is what gets reflected. So if all you're meditating on is the junk, that's what gets reflected. If all you're hearing is something else breathing into you all day, that's what gets reflected. Right? The word even says out of the mouth. See, your mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. So whatever you sit and bring in and whatever imprints into your heart gets reflected. So what we're saying is that when you make movement toward God, in this case, he says, coming boldly to the throne of grace, well, you've done, you've made movement toward God, you're drawing near to him. What's the scripture say when you draw near to him? He draws near to you then. Why? Because you initiated it. So you draw near to him. Now he has the ability to influence, amen, a divine influence or impartation, imprinting, on your heart, and if you will let him imprint on your heart, 
it will automatically get reflected. That's why Zerubbabel, if you will let me breathe into you, if you will let me empower you, you can get her done. But you're too busy thinking about how you ain't got enough time, ain't got enough money, enough resource, enough strength. I mean, I ain't got enough abilities. I ain't got, oh, just, uh. And so what happens is, that's all that's going in, and so that's what gets reflected. And pretty soon, we're looking for a reason to quit. Not a reason to continue. And most, that's what happens. Now, I'm just going to throw this out here. Because um, usually, we're on two ends of the spectrum. Uh, you know, we're either over here working, doing, serving. And we're, oh, doing a thing. And pretty soon, it's like, oh, just ain't enough time, ain't enough energy, ain't enough people, ain't enough resources. Oh, just like, oh, my gosh. And, and oh, it's like, oh, now I got the kids. I got, I, oh, it's like. Oh, it's like, oh, and I gotta make the meal. Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta take care of that. I gotta go do my job. I gotta, oh, oh, oh. So we're overwhelmed. So what happens? Listen, thirty years of ministry. Okay, thirty plus years. I can verify this. Oh, 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 forget it. So instead of being all stressed out, overwhelmed, overworked, over whatever, we're now over here on this avoided section. We just go from that extreme to this extreme. I'm so tired of being the only one that does this. I'm so tired of the only one that ever sees it. I'm so tired, and it's like, oh, forget it. Talk to the hand because the head ain't listening. And that's what we got Christians on either end of this. They say, 20, they say literally 20% uh, of the believers do 80% of the work. I don't doubt it. It's probably a, a fair statistic. I've probably seen that pretty close. And so you got those over there that had gotten overwhelmed. They don't want to do anything. And so what happens, it, it compounds over here on this group over here. So now they're even more overwhelmed. And they think, well, you know, they quit. I'm quitting. They stopped. I'm stopped. They uh, And so what we have is Zerubbabel. And so the angel of the Lord answered Zechariah. He's not getting fresh oil. He's doing his job. He's doing family. He's taking care of this, taking care of the community. Here he is, the governor of Judah. And now, you know, now he's thinking, you know, and then God, on top of all that, wants me to rebuild the temple. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I ain't asking you to do it in your strength. I ain't asking you to do it in your own power. I ain't asking you to, you know, somehow drum up enough energy to somehow get her done. I'm the one that gave you the leading, and I'm the one that's going to empower you to do it. I'm the one that gave you the bidding. I'm the one that wants to breathe into you so you can get her done. But somehow we forget that. 
So we end up on either side of the spectrum. And all he wants is this. If you just come to me on a daily basis, what did I say? Daily basis. What did I say? Daily. There ain't daily fresh oil. It doesn't take long. Sometime by mid next day, we're thinking. And you'll find that most people are going to be on either end of the spectrum. Feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. We're over here doing nothing. Well, I don't do that because it stresses me out. Uh, doing this is not what stressed you out. Well, now, wait a minute. No, your family didn't stress you out. <gasps> if you knew my family, <laughs> you think different. Your family ain't stressing you out. Your spouse ain't stressing you out. Your kids ain't stressing you out. Your pastor ain't stressing you out. Your church ain't stressing you out. You're stressed out because there's no fresh oil. No fresh oil. If God ain't breathing into you and you're not allowing uh, the sons of fresh oil drip into you, we're not drawn on the breath of God, which brings life and vitality or grace of God and empowerment to influence and impact your heart and print on your heart so you can reflect it in your everyday life. If that ain't happening to you, you're going to be over here or over here. So, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, which could be daily. Just thought you might know that. Anyway, all right, now, everybody say therefore. So what's it there for? So verse 1. You say, you're going to start reading verse 1 again? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know, I, I thought of that too. I thought maybe I should skip verse 1 just because of the therefore there. Because I didn't think everybody wanted to go back two chapters. It starts with a therefore too, doesn't it? All right, verse one, chapter one. No, no, we're going to we're going to go right up here, verse four or chapter four, verse one. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, everybody say rest. Who could use a little rest? Now you know you see the word rest, you think oh pillow. You think Calgon, take me away. Now, it's not talking about Calgon. It's not talking about a pillow. Come on. Come on. The word itself, rest, if you want to break it down into, today, into today's vernacular, it's stress-free living. Okay? It's what it breaks down to. Stress-free living. You can actually live this. There's a promise of living this, doing this, walking this without stress. All right? So a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us, therefore... Fear, trepidation is what we're referring to here. Okay, fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it, which means we could come short of it. In fact, you know, uh, really he's dealing with grace through the majority of this, this chapter. Uh, the scriptures bring out, I, I'm just going to do this, I didn't give her the verses on this, but... Um, 
sometimes uh, the deception as Christians, the deception is that because we're saved, uh, because we know God, that we automatically walk in grace. That's a, that's a deception. Okay, you still have to go get grace. Now, the thing about going and getting grace, um, yeah, I use this as an illustration, and if I can come up with a better one, I will. Uh, so until then, I'm going to keep using it. Okay, if Pastor Jerry said, I want to give you, I want to bless you with a new car. Would anybody receive that? All four of you. Okay, well, that's fine. Four of you, then I don't have to go buy four. Anyway, would anybody receive a new car? Okay, or a new pickup? Uh, Harley. Okay, it doesn't matter. I ain't doing it anyway. But anyway, just, you know, for the sake of illustration here. If I said, okay, I want to bless you with a new bike or a new car truck or something, uh, but here's the deal. Um, I don't have it with me, uh, but it's at the house. Um, if you could just go to the house and pick it up, it's yours for the taking. Keys are already in it. Just go get it. The title's under the seat. It's yours. Go get it. Now, is anybody going to go, oh, man. You're going to make me go out to your house to get it? Uh. Well, that ain't a free gift then. You're going to make me go get it? What kind of a giver are you? Well, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody would do that. I don't think. Don't make me concerned here now. Amen. Right? I mean, I don't think if it's a, a free ride, okay, I only got to drive a few miles out to the place, go pick that up, and, and it's yours, right? So it's no big deal. Well, God's saying it's no different. Grace is no different. It's a free gift. It's yours. You just got to come over to the house and pick it up. I just need you to come out to the house. I need you to come with confidence to the throne of grace. Come and receive, discover what's yours. It's free. But you got to come and get it. That's all. Okay, now, because of the deception that we, just because we saved and know him, that we automatically have grace. Is it, like I said, Hebrews 12 brings out, talks about we can, any one of us can fall short of the grace of God. It says in 12, 15. And that literally means to be lack or deficient of grace. So obviously we can come up short of it. Hello? Galatians 2 says this. Do not set aside the grace of God. Literally means to frustrate, nullify, or make void the grace of God. Galatians 5 says that you have fallen from grace, which means to be driven off course. Okay? Now, Acts 13 says to continue in the grace of God, which also means then that you might not continue. Right? John 1 brings out through grace and truth. Right? He's, he's given us both grace and truth. Right? Now, let me ask you something. Does truth just knock you on the head? Going longer. <laughs> right? No, well, how do you get truth? How do you get truth? Scripture makes it claim. You abide in His Word, which means you got to get in the Word. You can have truth. Truth is totally available. All that he has is yours. You can know the truth, and that truth that you know will set you free. Praise God. But you got to go to the Word. And it says you got to abide or remain in that Word. Now, why is it that we read something like grace and truth have been offered, 
and we all know that we have to pursue truth to have truth, then why is it all of a sudden with grace we think that it's just going to jump on you? You've got to pursue grace just like you pursue truth. Because if that was the case, then we would never come up short of it. We'd never be driven off course of it. Are you hearing me? Because if it's all about God just dumping grace on you, then it would be His fault if I came up short. It would be His fault if I was driven off course. It'd be all His fault that I don't have the grace. But how many know it ain't His fault? Now, some, uh, you know, I've had people say, you know, you get so, you know, so, you know, particular in this, and you get like kind of on your bandwagon a little bit about this stuff, you know, like let it rest. No, because people are looking at grace like it's mercy. I'm able to do this, you know, I'm able to overcome, I'm able to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm able to get free, and I'm able to, all this mess back here, it's all the grace of God. Listen, no, 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 it's all the mercy of God back there. But everything going this way now is grace. Come on, it's empowerment. Are you still with me? It's empowerment. So you need empowerment. You need to somehow walk free from the past and connect to your future. What happens, we got the majority of the body of Christ still connected to their past. And that's where their identity lies, is back here. But mercy handled all that. But grace is available, so now you can gain who you are and walk in who you are and be who you are. But you got to spend a little time with him. Well, I just ain't got time. Dude. You're wore out because there is no grace. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. So what happens is we're going along. We got, we're running out of time, running out of energy, running out of steam, running out of resources, running out of this, running out of that, running out of this, running out of that. And the whole time, think, I ain't got time to go, God, and get this stuff. That's what we pay you the big bucks for, preacher. Pray it in. Well, I got to go get grace just like you got to go get grace. And I got to let God breathe into me just like you have to let God breathe into you. And if I don't let God breathe into me, and if I ain't drawn on a daily dose of the Holy Ghost and a daily dose of that fresh oil and grace coming into me, I'm going to be no different than anybody else, overwhelmed, overworked, underpaid, got too much on my plate. And you say, what I need is a, a new job. What I need is a new calling. What I need is a new leading. What I need is, no, no, what we need to do is get with him because not only is he breathing life into you, but with grace, remember, one word from above can change your life forever. So you let him all of a sudden imprint and impact into your heart, all of a sudden there might be that one word that sets you free and it's now reflected in your life. It could be a leading, a bidding, a prompting. It could be he directs you about this, shows you this, reveals this. The word reveal, only, all it means is to pull back the covers and show you something. So all one, you spend a little time with him, and all of a sudden he takes that cover back, and I'm going to show you something. What happened? God showed me something. 
And that right there was enough to empower you to keep moving. And he wants to do that kind of stuff with you every day. Well, I ain't got time for that. These kids take up all my time. This school, this, that, this, that, this, he, all that stuff, you just ain't got time. Listen, you can't afford not to take the time to do what we're talking about. You'll find that if you take the time every day and draw near unto him, come on somebody, move toward him and enter into that place called rest, amen, that stress-free living, praise God, begins to manifest for you, praise God. Leads you, guides you, and he directs you. Whew! Let's keep going here. Here we go. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us therefore fear or with trepidation, right? Let us, any of you seem to have come short of it, for indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as to them. Talking about the children of Israel. But the word which they heard didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, they didn't apply any action to anything. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, uh, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, the price has been paid for all of this. For he has spoken in a certain place uh, of the seventh day in this way that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Everybody say all his works, right? And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now he's building something here. Since therefore... It remains that some must enter it, talking about this place of rest, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience, right? It just literally means they didn't follow through with it. God was constantly trying to help them, constantly empower them, constantly show them something. He said, listen, I've called you out of Egypt to come unto me. Come to the mount of God and worship me and let me show you what I can do for you. Let me empower you. Let me say things to you. Let me reveal things to you. They go, no, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. Moses, you go. Because that looks a little scary up there. So Moses goes up. Come on. Moses gets, comes back, right? They said, whoa, whoa, dude, you're glowing. Here, put this over your face so it doesn't scare us, right? The tent of meeting is outside the camp. The word's clear. Anybody can go into the tent of meeting and see God, visit with God, commune with God. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, it's always uh, the whole time. They're like, uh, no, we'll, uh, we'll stay in our own tents. We'll come out at certain times and we'll all worship. Praise you the Lord. Glory to God. Okay. Sound familiar? What day is it, Sonny? Okay. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Some of my radical crew comes out on Wednesday. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Yeah, but you got things to do all week. I know. Okay. I'll get her done. I'll find a way. I can do this. I got myself in this mess, and I can get myself out. That's just ignorance gone to seed. Isn't it? You got yourself in this mess. Hello? 
Hello. Let him help you get out. Right? But that would require I have to spend time with him. Now, Joshua goes into the tent of meeting, and literally, the scriptures are clear, Joshua hangs out in the tent of meeting. Even when Moses goes back to his own tent, Joshua's still hanging out there. And who is the guy that went up on the mountain with him? Joshua, hello! Who leads the children of Israel into the promised land? Joshua, hello! All the, all the patriarchs of faith go back and to read all of them. They either refer to God as the living God or the word says they walked with God. Well, what's that mean? It means they conversed with him. They all saw him as the living God, personable, to be touched, to commune with, to fellowship with. And he would refer to them as my friend and he would talk with him, a man after my own heart. These were, how did these, what, what set these people apart? A relationship. Intimacy. So during those moments, he's breathing into you. During those moments, he is imprinting on your heart. Hallelujah. What to do for the day. How to do this. How to live this. How to be this. <laughs> Got to get some of you in the phone booth. Some phone booth nowadays is obsolete, I guess. Remember the old Supermans? Or am I dating myself? I must be dating myself. The point is, all it takes, man. How do you, how, oh yeah, what do you expect? That's a, we're, like, we're all superheroes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're all aliens. Right? You're from a different kingdom. You're from, literally from a different realm. Now he's asking us to do it. That's right. Well, because we have superpowers. Listen, when God's breathing into you and imprinting on you, you got superpowers. So all of a sudden, you can do this. All of a sudden, you can walk this out. All of a sudden, you're looking at that thing and going, not a problem. I can do this in him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hey! Right? So, let me just throw something else at you. Let's see if I can wake you up here. All right, now, how many, like, you know, know the importance of um, you know, daily reading, right? All three of you. Wow. Okay, maybe you don't. I'll use some other example here. Now, how many believe, amen, in, you know, having, you know, like daily reading, right? And I, we have, now we do a, a chapter a day. It's one of the things we all, you know, just kind of encourage everybody to, you know, stay in the Bible, say, all important in it. Uh, and how many of you uh, come to church? That was easy one, really. You should always say, well, we're here, right? We don't even do, do, right? Right? Come on, right? Okay, that's all good. How many know that's good, right? 
See, there's a reason for the Word of God. There's a reason for uh, the house of God. Uh, there's a reason, amen, that we, uh, we, we maybe watch uh, Christian television or we listen to Christian radio or we, uh, you know, watch Vimeo or podcasts or, or Roku and all these things are there. All of them are wonderful. All of them are necessary. All of them are needful. But none of them, none of them take the place of intimacy with God. Now, you may have a moment in God where God shows you and reveals something in the Word, and you're listening and watching television, you're seeing something, oh, pow, zing, zang, zoo, woo! God showed you something there, and all of a sudden you come to church and, yeah, this crazy nut in the front, woo! <laughs> but none of it takes the place of your personal, intimate time with God. Because everybody has to get breathed into, and everybody, come on, needs an empowerment to do the task or to deal with the obstacle at hand. Okay. Let's see what else we can get here. We're We're wrapping her up. Here we go. Where are we at? What verse? Seven. Again, he designates a certain day, saying to David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today. Everybody say today. today. What does that imply? Every day. Today, if you will what? Hear his voice. Now, don't harden your heart and ignore what he's trying to say, what he's trying to do. But every day he wants to do this, Right? For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would have not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest, a stress-free living for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his works. Meaning, you doing everything in your own power and your own strength ain't what gets it done. So he says, if you will let him speak into you, all of a sudden now, you have the empowerment, you have the life to be able to walk this thing out. Now he's talking about, you know, remember, therefore, come boldly to the throne. So everything he's talking about here, he, he, he wraps up saying, therefore, if you want all this to happen, therefore, come to the throne of grace and get what you got to get. Okay, now. Verse, what, 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. We're talking about the, do the same thing the children of Israel did. For the, uh-oh, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even a division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, let me come back to that. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him and who he must get. In other words, God knows everything that's going on. I said God knows everything that's going on. Are you with me today? Look at your neighbor and say, get this. 
Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. In other words, keep talking what you say you believe. Keep talking it, keep talking it. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness or our inabilities. Come on, that's what it means. Feebleness, inabilities, weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. Therefore, let us therefore come boldly. Okay, now, the word. Verse 12. So most time we use that, what we're talking about, we always grab this word, right? Come on. And we go, you know, this word is living and it's powerful. Now, that's not a false statement. That's accurate. But in context, he's not talking about this written word. Now, it's accurate. It's not a false statement. But in this context, he's not talking about the written word. He's talking about God talking to you on a day-to-day basis. Because that's what he said today, if you hear his voice. So now God's trying to talk to you. So that word that he talks to you becomes a living, come on, it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. The word uh, there. Uh, means a thing spoken. The word, word logos, means a, a thing spoken, okay? Now, again, we're not taking away this word that you have right here. Let me borrow yours for a second. It was spoken, and then it was recorded for you and me to meditate on a day-to-day basis. So we're not taking away from the fact that this is living and powerful, but in context, he's not talking about the written word. He's talking about a word being spoke on a day-to-day basis that can empower you, that will come alive in you, that will cause you to begin to overcome and conquer and override and be all that you're called to be and do all that you're called to do. Why? Because I'm speaking into you. Now, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing your division of soul and spirit. What does that mean? Well, it's just a cool thing. I got a plaque at home that has all this. This is pretty awesome. What's it mean? I don't know, but it just sounds cool. Soul and spirit. What that means is what you're going to find every time you get it with God is you're going to find out what's of you and what isn't. What's of the spirit or what's of you. That's why a lot of times people are like, you know, I don't like to really go in and talk to God because he might tell me um, that I'm wrong. I just don't know if I can handle that. No, it'd be a good thing to hear that if you are. Because it might be the thing that empowers you so you can go do and be what you're called to be. But right now, you're letting a lie drive you. Okay, let's try another one. Okay, piercing the division of soul and spirit, joint and mara. Now, how many know, now this joint, we're talking about like an elbow or a knee. Shoulder, finger, right? Joint, okay? Now, I mean, oh, that's pretty important. I mean, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever boogered up a, a, an ankle or a wrist? Have you ever boogered up a finger? You know what I mean? You can't bend it. I got one that bends funny because of, anyway, I'll leave it alone. Anyway, okay, right? I dislocated a shoulder one time, all right? And you find out real quick, oh, I need that. That would be important. If that worked, because I could actually use that right now, right? 
I mean, it's not real deep, but I'm just, it's the truth, right? You, you don't realize how much you really, you know, how important a joint really is. You know, when the knee works, it's like, ah, ah. But when it don't work, it's like, ah, right? I mean, right? But how many know that even though a joint is important, morrow is critical? So every time you get in there and God begins to talk to you, not only is he showing you what's of him and what is not, giving you leadings and biddings and walking you through things, but he'll also show you what's critical versus what's important. Because we as a people have a tendency to overlook some of the critical things because we think this is important. And you think that's so important that you're literally going to lose everything because you're not looking at what's critical. You don't take care of what's critical. It doesn't matter how many, you know, joints, elbows, knees. doesn't matter how well they work. So there are times when you get with God, God will show you the difference. He'll start walking you through things and say, listen, I know that's all going on right now, but just leave that alone. Cast the care of that on me. Let me handle that. That's already, being, that's already in the works. Now you need to focus on this. Now, you might have just right there saved hours upon hours of prayer time. Literally. You may have saved days. There are things sometimes we'll spend days and days and days on just for the, in the end, God ended up providing and taking care of it anyway. And if you would get some time with God and let God breathe in you, let God empower you, let God speak into you, all of a sudden you realize, you know, that God's handling that, so it's okay. This thing right here is what needs, right now, this is what's critical for me to handle today. Stress-free living, a lot less stress, less being overwhelmed. I mean, how many things are we overlooking or missing because God is just trying to walk you through it and he'll show you the ins and outs and reveal things and all of a sudden it just made life easier. Last one, a discerner of thoughts and intents. I cannot even tell you how many times my alone time with God, he'll talk to me about something. He'll say, you know that thing? Yeah. Stop meditating on it. Well, God, you know that? Just stop. It isn't working. Let it go. You're right. I'll let it go. Or he'll talk to me about my intent. Why do you, why, why, why do you want that anyway? Or why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you want to see that happen? What is it about that that has you so worked up? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, everybody's doing it. Am I the only one that's ever heard that as a kid? Huh? Or the only one that's ever said that as a kid? You know, everybody's doing it. Well, I suppose if they all jumped off a bridge, you'd jump off a bridge too. Remember that one? It's kind of silly, but anyway. You know, the point is, okay, we're going along. And we're, sometimes we don't even realize 
that we're so caught up on something, and the whole time it's like it has no bearing on anything. I've had some things that I, I thought for sure that's just got to happen. God goes, no, no, it, it really don't. But over here, this needs to happen. And all of a sudden, it's like it puts everything in a kind of right where it needs to be. Now, you think about all of this, God breathing into you, an empowerment of words. Empowerment could be anything, but most of the time, it's going to be God just speaking something, showing you something, revealing something. And the whole time, all that's there to benefit you to get done what you got to get done, to finish what you got to finish, to fulfill what you got to fulfill. To be all that you're called to be. So you're not on either side of the spectrum where you're over here stressing out about everything or over here avoiding everything. But instead, you're walking right down the middle of the road like you're supposed to, being all that you're called to be, and walking this thing like you should, like you should, amen, and seeing it come to pass. Did you get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Hmm? Daniel, want to push that on? Okay. Praise the Lord. I'll just come up here closer next to him. <laughs> you know, for a, a lot of people, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to, uh, uh, to find that grace. They don't know how to get along with God. So I'm just going to give you just a quick thing. Number one, you find a place to sit where there's no other distractions. You find a place to go where there's no distractions. Be still. And where you, can, where you can be still, where there's a moment. You find a place. It's not while you're driving down the road in your car. It's not while you're sitting at the breakfast table with your whole family. That's not the place. You find a place that you can be with God. The next thing you do, the word of God says he stands at the door and knock. At the door of your heart, God is knocking. So all he needs you to say is, yes, Lord, mm. I invite you. Right. So you have to have an invitation. He, he is asking, but you have to invite him. God, I've come to sit before you to listen to you today. The next thing is, he says that he draws near to us when we do that. But then it says what you've got to do is you're going to have to position yourself. Old Testament times when they were going into battle, they would position themselves. And the best way for you as a New Testament believer to position yourself is you begin to praise God. Because when you praise God, it takes the emphasis off of you and what you need and turns your perspective up toward God so he can give you what you need. So you're positioning yourself, and the word says he inhabits those praises. So you've found yourself a place to sit. You've said, Lord, I've come to be with you today, and now I praise you. And you start finding things you're grateful for. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful I live in a country I can do this. I'm grateful I could do it from the mountaintops. I don't have to hide underground. I'm grateful that I go to a church that teaches me this. I'm grateful, Father. And all of that is positioning you. Mm -hmm. And you, so, you sit there and you give him praise. Mm -hmm. 
Now, and you sit, then every once in a while, you pause and stop and just hear from in here if he's got something to say. If you don't hear anything to say, we give you a chapter a day to read. Mm -hmm. So then you open your Bibles to the chapter a day and you read it. And I recommend you read it out loud, slowly and methodically so he can stop you and interrupt you and talk to you about something in it. And you have gotten grace. It's that easy. Now, you have to understand, you start somewhere and expect to stretch. That's all you have to do. Develop. And you develop and you grow and it changes. But that's how you start. Understand this. There are backslidden believers that want nothing to do with God that at one time sat in the seat you're sitting in. And what is the difference between them and you? is they didn't do what he's talking about today. That's the only difference. And so to think that that couldn't happen to me is a deception because without fresh oil, the enemy's, the enemy's strategy is to get you away from God. And the only thing that keeps you in God is fresh oil. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. A word from the Lord. Amen. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Good word. Amen. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, uh, it's not that God can't talk to you in your car. But somewhere you've got to train yourself to have an ear to hear. And that's why those quiet places are so important. Being still and knowing that he's God. What happens is then pretty soon what happens, you, get, you, get a, you get a lot more in tune. You remember the old radios? You had to, you know, kind of dial in, you know. Now everything's digital, you know, but it used to be you had to kind of sit there and work. In fact, you might even go partway down the road and have to redo it again. Or you have a, you know, maybe for you, maybe your antenna wasn't right, so you had a clothes, clothes hanger stuffed in there. <laughs> get better reception. Well, you just did whatever. Yeah, or you're holding it at home, you know, you might you hold the TV just right and get your picture. The point is that you did little certain things that you did just so you could see it better, hear it better, and it just took whatever just to, to kind of dial it in and fine-tune. So that's what we're talking about. You get still and quiet, and pretty soon, little by little, you kind of get, oh, yeah, I'm getting this thing. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Father, we give you praise and glory once again. Thankful for your word. Thankful for these principles. Thank you, Lord, He had an ear to hear and a heart to receive today. And Father, I thank you. We thank you for the breath of your spirit, and we thank you, Lord God, for the grace, amen, that empowerment, and I thank you, Lord, for a people willing, praise God, to let you breathe into them on a day-to-day -day basis, willing, praise God, to let you empower them on a day-to-day -day basis, willing, Lord, to spend time with you, praise God, in a place of uh, intimacy, praise God, to, to walk with you, to commune with you, and to fellowship with you, and Father, we give you praise and glory for it. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.